I'm sports attorney Luke Fedlam, and welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Each conversation, we focus on sharing information and having conversations around how athletes can best educate and protect themselves or their life outside of their sports. Welcome to the Protecting Your Possibility podcast. I'm your host, Luke Fedlam. Excited uh, for the conversation today. I just want to get right into it uh, because we have a lot to talk about. And as you know, we have spoken about cannabis investments in the past and wanted to share another conversation uh, from a different perspective with you today. As you can imagine, over the last few years, interest in the business side of the cannabis industry has grown exponentially. And so we have clients, both our athlete clients and others who uh, want to get in the space, who are getting into the space. And so what we wanted to do is have a conversation today with a f- couple folks um, who are guests of the show to talk a little bit more about this in depth. So first, I want to welcome to the show Scott Miller. Scott Miller is the Chief Operating Officer and General Counsel for Certified Cultivators. Scott, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. And also uh, my colleague at Porter Wright, Frank Tice. Frank, how are you doing today? Doing well, Luke. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. Well, you're welcome for coming back. Um, it is uh, You did a good enough job last time that we could invite you back to join our listeners. So thanks for that. Kudos to you. So today, again, we want to discuss the commercial cannabis industry and how you get involved, what things to look out for, potential hurdles and and things to overcome. And so really, Scott, I just want to start with you, man. First, can you just share with us a little bit about what you do? I mean, you've got you've got a really big title for general counsel, chief operating officer. So that means that uh, a lot of the responsibilities fall on your desk. And so just wanted to get a sense for a little bit more about what you specifically do and more broadly what certified cultivators is and, and who you all are. Sure. I'll start with uh, certified cultivators. We're a uh... Ohio Medical Marijuana Licensee. We have a level one cultivation license, which allows for 25,000 square feet of uh, marijuana cultivation area. We also have a processing license, so we're able to um, extract the biomass and make a manufactured product out of it. Uh, As far as um, what my title means here, I um, run everything. I've been involved with this company since uh, we started applications, and I run the finance, I run compliance, uh, we just got our operational certificates in July and August for our two licenses. So really, we're just getting off the ground and rolling with operations. So I'm a um, man of many hats at the moment. Okay, so you're a man with many hats. What caused you to want to put those hats on? What really got you into <laughs> this into this space, man? It was uh, I was lucky to have family friend that owns this warehouse we're operating out of, and I was visiting them, and he showed me that the plans he was putting together for this application at the time. I really didn't have any clue about the application or or know that I wanted to get into this industry. And I was practicing as a solo practicing attorney and told him I wanted to help. I started helping with the application for free and it took off from there. Okay, outstanding. So, so Frank, let, let me kick it over to you for a second because I think, um, you know, from your perspective, I think it's important to just remind our listeners kind of what your role is, what you do, you know, specifically. I know you're a man of many hats as well, but more specifically as it relates to the cannabis space and our cannabis practice at the firm, kind of how are you working with, with your clients in this space? Yeah, so, you know, uh, a lot of the cannabis matters that end up flowing through Porter Wright, I'm one of the 
kind of main touch points where the, the matters flow through. So we work on a lot of uh, matters, everything from compliance where, you know, as Scott mentioned, there's the application process and then there's a lot of rules that they have to follow and stay in compliance with to maintain their good standing and, and have their licenses under Ohio state law. So there's compliance obligations and things like that that we've worked through. And then a lot of the transactional matters. So we definitely see a lot of clients that are either evaluating deals in the cannabis space or they are maybe they're buying a business or selling a business in the cannabis space. Um, so I've done a lot of the M&A uh, work as well. And then we've also seen a lot of like cap raises, people looking for financing it can be kind of hard in this space. Uh, as Scott well knows, uh, you know, banking can be a challenge. Fortunately, Ohio, it's not as hard as other places, but um, we help with that aspect too. So when people are looking for funds, so, you know, everything from the start where your application's in, you get your license, now you got to operate, now you got to get more capital, expand, and then sometimes strategic exits or expansions. Awesome. So listen, we all have listened to different podcasts and interviews and conversations. And a lot of times, one of the last questions to be asked, you know, in closing is what advice do you have to somebody who wants to, you know, potentially get involved in this space, either from an investor perspective or from a, a more, you know, practitioner perspective. But I got to flip it, Scott, and I, I want to kick it over to you and kind of start our conversation there. I have a lot of conversations with various you know, folks who want to get involved in the cannabis space. What advice do you have? So now that you've, you know, it wasn't your career plan and your career, you know, aspiration per se to get involved in the cannabis space, but you find yourself here doing a lot of work in this space. So for folks who are interested in getting involved, kind of what advice do you have? What, what would you tell them based on kind of your experiences? My advice would be to have an extremely hard work ethic. It's a, it's a very challenging business. The lack of banking, the, the amount of regulation. You have to be very creative with how you operate and you have to be willing to work really hard to make an operation successful. From an investment standpoint, I know um, see a lot of the news and all these lucrative deals that are out there. They don't happen overnight. It takes a while. So from an investment standpoint, I would say be patient. I've been working on this project since January 2017 is when I got involved. And this week is our first sale. So wow. it's, uh, it's not quick. You know. Yeah. So along those lines, then, you know, you talk about just the regulatory side of things. And obviously in your role, you know, you have to deal with that. You're the, the kind of the buck stops with you at the company. So what are those things, right? A lot of times people hear that word regulatory, but what is, what are you actually, what are you dealing with, right? So what are those levels of oversight, you know, that you have to, um, you know, kind of submit the company to that, that you all kind of deal with? What does this regulatory environment look like for you? in the day-to-day -day and kind of strategic, you know, vision of the company? Sure. Day-to-day, -day, it really has to do with inventory management. Security is, are two of the big hot, hot topics in Ohio. Make, making sure all the employees follow the protocols and standard operating procedures that we've set up to maintain the regulations that Ohio requires us to follow. Maintaining a close relationship with our compliance officer as well, which I do. Uh, we have a great compliance officer. She was just here two weeks ago for our 60 day checkup and everything went well, but maintaining that good relationship really helped. Yeah. I think, um, I think most businesses say, you know, relationship is everything, but I think especially when you're highly regulated, having, uh, having strong relationships definitely go, go a long way. So Frank, I'll, I'll flip over to you then on the, 
on a very, you know, it's kind of similar question, right? So what advice do you give clients, um, you know, as you're working in, in this space of how to manage, how to manage the regulatory environment, either from someone who's actually, you know, operating in the, the company that's operating, but then also things to look out for, for those who are looking to make investments in this space, the regulatory um, aspects that they should be aware of? Yeah. So I think taking it first, uh, you know, you and I have had this conversation before we talk about what, what's the biggest thing that, you know, you need to do to, to prepare yourself to be ready for this kind of regulatory oversight and this process. And as Scott already said, you know, this is not a quick make money fast scheme. This is a complicated business. And so I think the the best thing you can do is, is put a really good team together. You're going to want people that understand the compliance side, as Scott's touched on. You're going to need the right financing partners that are interested in the growth of the company and not looking for a quick short-term profit, because that'll just you know end up in conflict, I think, between the proprietors of the business and the investors. If someone's looking for a short-term exit, you know that can be a recipe for disaster. In terms of kind of what to look out for and red flags, you definitely want to be careful if you're investing into a company that they need to close like immediately, for example, if they want the money right away, there can be legitimate reasons for that. But you should certainly understand what those reasons are. You should understand kind of what the goals are. Does the business have a license in one of these legal marijuana markets? What kind of license is it? You know, what kind of state program is put together? Ohio, you have limited number of licenses. So, you know, having a, a cultivation license like Scott does in a processor, um, you know, there's not a lot of those out there. So that's that can be a lucrative license. But in other states, you know, there can be thousands of licenses and no caps. Um, so they're not all the same thing. Something that looks like a cultivation license in Ohio might look a lot different in other states. So you definitely want to make sure that you're working with a good team and that you're doing your due diligence up front because these are complicated programs and every state's program is different. Yeah, you know, we obviously have on many of these podcast episodes, we have conversation around the team, right? And the team around the athlete. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about, obviously, is that that trust is important. But in an industry that's so incredibly highly regulated, uh, it, it's more than just trusting folks. It's also having a team around you of people who know exactly what they're doing. You know, Scott, you, you talked about the, the amount of time that it takes. I think it might be helpful maybe if you could share with us a little bit, you know, from your story earlier, it started with a warehouse um, and, and folks wanting to, to get involved in this space. You know, what has this journey been like? I don't want to say what took so long, but but what does take yeah. so long when you have these, right? Sure. So I'll, I'll start. I'll just give you my timeline of when I started and what it took to get to where we are today. In January of 2017, I saw the application that uh, the owner was working on, told him I wanted to help. The Ohio applications for cultivation were due in the middle of the summer, but at that time, the, the applications and the regulations had, hadn't even been written yet. The law was passed, but the, the application and the regulations were just in, in draft. So it took studying those regulations as they released drafts and then studying the application as it was released. And the whole first half of that year was working on our cultivation application and was submitted at the end of June 2017. And then around Thanksgiving time, dispensary applications were due. We submitted for a dispensary application, but uh, were not awarded a license. And around that same time, the cultivation winners were announced, and we were not a winner. Two weeks after that, the processing licenses were due, so I couldn't really focus on why we didn't win a cultivation license. I had to finish our processing license application. 
So submitted that the second week of December, I believe, of 2017. So the entire year of 2017 was me focusing on our application. Once the processing license application was finished, it was our third application, the last one we submitted, I reviewed and analyzed our cultivation application and saw a an error was made on our architectural drawing. We decided to appeal that. We hired a, a Columbus firm and they, they submitted our notice of appeal. And our appeal hearing took place in at the end of July and beginning of August 2018. So the whole first half of 2018 was preparing for the appeal, doing public record requests and researching how these all these applications were graded, how, were they graded fairly, why were we not given points for specific parts of our application compared to other applicants. And I did a pretty in-depth analysis and worked with our, our uh, team to put together a plan for our appeal hearing. The appeal hearing lasted three and a half days. We learned in, in October 2018 that we should have been granted a license, but that was from our appeal office, appeal hearing officer. It still had to be signed off on by the, the director of the Department of Commerce to make it official. That didn't happen until December of 2018. Mm -hmm. So we had this warehouse that our owners has had since 1996 as an auto parts distribution warehouse, but we couldn't do anything with it until the beginning of 2019 when we learned we received the cultivation license officially. And at the same time, within two weeks, we were awarded the processor license. So at the beginning of 2019, we could start construction on our facility. And the first thing we had to do was, was demo the inside of, inside of it and then start construction. So it took all 2019 and, and beginning of 2000, first half of 2020 to get it ready for uh, the final state sign-off. Yeah, so it's it's um it sounded like a lot of work, and then kind of hold your breath, get a response back, and then hey, guess what? We have we have even more work to do now. Yeah. Um, you shared some of the the hurdles and challenges that you faced, kind of in you know up until this point. But as you as you look at the business and you look now, I think you said your first sale was was this week or recently. So mm -hmm. so when you start to look, you know, and you forecast going forward, what are some of the hurdles? What are some of the challenges that you see, you know, specifically for your business or broadly for the industry as you go forward? For our business, it's um, learning the facility and how to operate and how to how to optimize our uh, facility for a successful grow in Ohio, as well as a processing license. The processing license has actually been operating for several months now really well. Um, but hurdles would just um, learning the systems and, and um, putting a good grow together, which it takes any new facility. It takes time. It takes six to eight months to really catch our catch a stride of a cultivation license. Yeah. So, Frank, I'll, I'll kick it over to you to kind of ask a similar question, right, with the clients that you're working with in this space, um, whether, you know, those who are operators or those who are investors, what are some of those hurdles that you see um, and challenges that these uh, that clients are facing in this space? Yeah, so there can be a wide variety of issues. I think, um, you know, we've seen sometimes where maybe groups put together a team that didn't have like-minded goals, got a license, and then didn't actually have the ability or the know-how to build out the facilities. As Scott noted, you know, it's a long process. It's not the easiest thing to do. And then once you do build out the facility, it has to meet all these regulatory requirements. It has to match your application as closely as possible. And, and there were frankly just teams without the expertise to do it. So that can be a, a challenge to get 
kind of figure out, okay, how do we retool? How do we bring in the right people to help facilitate a successful, whether it's a grow or a processing, working through the, the different systems that you can use for extraction. The other issues that we've seen, I mean, a lot of times in investment situations, you have some complicated transactions. So whether it's you're bringing on some debt to purchase equipment or you're bringing on certain investment partners, some of which are helping operate the business, some are just passive and putting in capital, you know, it can get challenging to kind of figure out what the terms of those uh, deals are. It can be challenging to kind of balance the interests of those passive investors versus the people that have an interest in operating long term, because it's just really hard to, I think, turn a very quick profit in these in these businesses if you're setting them up from scratch. So it can be all those things. And then day-to-day issues. I mean, you know, the regulatory program here in Ohio specifically is very challenging at times. The regulators have like live camera feed access to all these facilities. And, you know, there can just be issues with packaging. There's been recalls of product that a lot of times there's an abundance of caution approach from the state. So, you know, you have to pull a bunch of product and then figure out what happened. Um data breach issues you've got to deal with. So it can really run the gamut. You, Like I said, I, I keep falling back on, you know, strong team is how you get through this because not one person can't handle all these issues. And um, you certainly need people that have the ability to understand the regulations and then understand how to approach uh, the problems as they arise. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to, to um, reiterate that sentiment. People, is the if you're looking at any business for the, to invest in, look at the team because every single business is going to have hurdles and it's the team that's going to get past it. And, you know, one of the challenge of running these businesses is finding, finding a good team and putting a good team together. It takes time to, to find that and to make sure everybody's meshing and running the operation as it's been designed. No, thank you. Thank you for adding that. And it, it really kind of got to my next question because, you know, so, so many athletes that I deal with um, who are interested in the cannabis space are interested in it from a, an investment perspective and, and looking at various opportunities. And so you mentioned people and the team as a really, I think all of us would agree, is a critical component of, of the due diligence that any investor would do in a business in order to make a potential you know, investment decision. What else, you know, Scott, if, even sp- more specifically um, as it relates to the cannabis space, for, for someone who's thinking about making an investment, what type of due diligence beyond the, the traditional corporate due diligence that, that an investor would do in, in before making a decision, anything specific to the cannabis space that you, you could think of that you would say, hey, if you're thinking about making this investment, you really need to make sure blank. I would make sure person running the grow knows how to run a grow and manage people and that the the ownership has faith in that person and and um, gives that person a leash to operate to the best of their capabilities and also same with the processing or extraction side um, just trusting the people the ownership trusts the people to run those those operations um, based on their experience but make sure that those individuals are experienced and, and have produced in the past the people underneath them don't necessarily need to have the same experience, but the the, the individuals who run those those licenses or those departments certainly do. Yeah, so let me dig on that for a second, right? Because I think a lot of times, depending on the industry, information can be made available on people, right? You can do kind of backgrounds and understand kind of what their experience has been. Cannabis is a little bit different because it's new. 
Um, I think, well, let me take a step back. Campus <laughs> itself is most definitely not new. Uh, but the, uh, the, the fact that it's become something that is, is legal in certain respects and regards is newer. So when you're evaluating people, how do you recommend that, right? When you're evaluating, do they know what they're doing? If you're someone that's a novice investor that's getting involved mm-hmm. because you see the potential, um, you see the potential for a return. You see the potential for an emerging, you know, type of investment in your the makeup of your overall portfolio. Mm-hmm. How do you then say, you know, that the person actually knows how to do the grow or not? Or how do you know if that person really is is blowing smoke? You like that? Sure, sure. Um, or if they're real about what they're talking about. <laughs> the way we did it is we went and toured facilities and we went all over up and down the West Coast, um, Colorado. Our owner. He actually lives in Colorado half the year, so he saw that industry blow up in Colorado. But you learn as much information about it as, po- as possible, visit facilities, and um, it's easy to see once you've once you've been to several different facilities, see which ones are clean, see which ones, see what teams operate well, and you know, see the product growing. You'll learn that way. Yeah, Frank, any thoughts? Any thoughts on that? On that due diligence aspect? Yeah, I think to Scott's point, at least in my experience as well, you know, the industry is uh, fairly collegial. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people have been willing to exchange ideas to, you know, allow tours of facilities to talk through issues that they've seen and ways to deal with it. So I think that's definitely a good way to start is, hey, if I'm looking at this team, can I see the facility? Does it look like, you know, facilities that have a, a longer track record, maybe that we can evaluate, you know, the comparison? Um, that can definitely be a, a strong step towards kind of understanding their their business. And, you know, I'll do the, the shameless pitch here, too. Uh, sometimes you have to hire, uh, you know, advisors to help you on those decisions who are in a position to maybe say, hey, these guys, we think they have the track record to make this work and they know what they're doing. And, you know, that's the role we can serve sometimes just having interacted with people in the space uh, repeatedly. No, that's great. Well, listen, you know, we always, uh, time always flies when we're, when we're having these conversations, Scott, I want to kick it over to you, man, for any, maybe we start off where we began, which was, uh, you know, me asking if you had any advice, uh, you shared great advice in terms of being patient, um, having a good team around you, any kind of final thoughts, uh, for folks who are just interested in, in this space or interested in learning more about this space, any, any f- final parting words of wisdom? I, uh, not at the moment, but they're welcome to contact me at got it certified cultivators.com and welcome to come take a tour and check it out awesome well listen there you go you heard it here first man we're we're just giving away free things here on the show man, you can reach out to scott and you can uh, take a tour and learn some more so listen scott miller frank tice i, I say thank you so much for coming on uh, protecting your possibilities podcast um, as we really try to educate folks um so that they can protect all the possibilities they have to make a positive impact on themselves their families and their communities so scott thanks for coming on frank thanks for coming on thank you thanks luke All right. And thanks for tuning in to this episode of Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Uh, Here's my shameless plug, uh, which is if you are enjoying this podcast, please feel free to uh, give us five stars, share it with a friend uh, or colleague, check it out and uh, feel free to reach out to me on topics that you want to hear about. We've had people reach out about this particular topic. And so we wanted to have a a more in-depth discussion. But if there are other topics you want to hear about, please feel free to reach out and we will be sure to have that conversation. Until the next time, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. 
Porter Wright, Morrison Arthur, LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. The content of this publication is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. It does not necessarily reflect the views of the firm as to any particular matter or those of its clients. Please consult an attorney for specific advice regarding your particular situation.